who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Making another trip back to the ranch. It's episode 415 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham, and I promised you more interviews from Prime Video's Outer Range. Going to have them for you this week. Lily Taylor stops by, Lewis Pullman, Tamara Podemski, and Isabel Areza, who are going to be talking about their amazing characters. Going to talk more about the Abbott family this week, too, because I know I talked about the Tillersons last week, so we're going to get in more of the Abbott family and some of the other character characters in Outer Range this week. Also, speaking of Western, it seems like it's a great time for Westerns and sci-fi and history and things like that because Billy the Kid is going to premiere on Epics. Yes, that Billy the Kid is a show about the famous outlaw. Going to give me a, give you my spoiler-free review of that premiere. Also going to talk about Season 2 of Russian Doll. I know you've been loving it. I'll give you my spoiler-free review of that. We finally have a Thor Love and Thunder trailer. I'll give you my thoughts there. Some drama going on at Netflix, some D&D talk, and more Marvel stuff. That's all going to be a part of this week's show and some big stuff happening with the show, but I'll get into that a little bit more coming up at the end. I'll give you a little bit of a tease about that up next. Yes, it's time to talk about outer range. I'll start with Lily Taylor next on the down and nerdy podcast. I'm Haley Mancini and I'm Jake Goldman and we are writers for the Powerpuff Girls and you're listening to the down and nerdy podcast. Yeah, you got a chance to dive into the first two episodes last week. This week going to give you even more of my interviews from Outer Range, the Prime Video series, which premiered last week. Another couple of episodes dropping this week, and I kind of focused inadvertently on the Tillerson family last week. I didn't realize that I did that until after the fact. So, yeah, we got to talk about the Abbott family this week, and I'm actually going to start with the matriarch of the family, Cecilia Abbott, Lily Taylor, who's going to tell us 
a little bit more about her family and what they're going through early on this season. Listen to what Lily had to say. Hey, Lily, how are you doing? Hey, good. How are you doing? Doing very well, thank you. And I'm really, really digging the show. I, I love Cecilia already, even in these early episodes. What was it that drew you to the show? You know, it's it's really well written. It's a, it's a unique story. Why not? For You know, I couldn't believe it was really real. Why not is a great way to put it. I, yeah. I totally get what you're saying. So, yeah. Lily, the Abbott family's been through a lot. We found that out even in the trailer. So do you feel like Cecilia is like the rock that's holding the family together more than anyone else? Yeah, I do. I, I think so. Barely. But yeah, yeah. Nobody else has, everyone else has so much going on. She's the least disassociated. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, that, that's true in a certain sense, but I mean, being the mom, I mean, mentally alone, that's got to be, I mean, you've always got something going on, really, don't you? And I mean, like, you know, running the house and all that stuff. I mean, the, the part, she's a huge part of what goes on on the ranch for sure. Exactly. I mean, it, it just like, I mean, I got this book on ranching, which was really helpful because, it's a, you know, what, what is her day like? You know, mm -hmm. what, how much, yeah. how much grain does she need? How much? And here with all this happening, she's still got to run the ranch. Mm hmm you know, and it's, I think, well, that's why she kind of, we'll see what happens, but it's, it becomes untenable. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no doubt about that. Now, Lily, even in the trailer, we saw that there kind of appears to be a crisis of faith going on in the family. How difficult is that going to be for her early on? Very. So difficult that it, it changes her life. She reaches that point that when we, we, some, we, as humans, we usually have one big moment, at least maybe two, those life-changing moments. This is one of hers. And again, things are just very difficult for the family in this season. What is the relationship like? How would you describe the relationship between Cecilia and Royal? Partners who have, you know, till death do them part. They have through sickness, through health, they've been through everything. And this time they're in is really uh, challenging. And it's, again, another test. How much do you love how tough Cecilia is because you see little flashes of moments where she's she can really stand up on her and I really really love that especially in a key moment in one of the early episodes how much do you love that about her thank you yeah I, I love that I mean I, I wish I think a lot of women are capable of that but we don't get to see it a lot for various reasons so I wish we could see it more because it's it's good when any human being stands up you know no uh, doubt. and right and manifests but I, I love it yeah I'm already working on my Cecilia, you're not coming into my house face. That's my, that's my thing. That's my goal for the end of the week is to, is to, is to get that down packed for sure. <laughs> Lily, before I let you go, I mean, one of the things it's, it's, I mean, with so much going on, it's hard not to see just how beautiful this setting is that you all are in, even in the darkest of circumstances. So what was it like being on set and just shooting in such a beautiful location? It was hard to tell you the truth because we were all over New Mexico. So logistically, the show is really challenging and it's beautiful, but it's hard. Those elements are hard when you're really in them and we were in them. So we could take in the beauty and, and on the same hand, we were freezing or the wind was, 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 was just like killing us. And so we were, we were living it, you know, as actors. <laughs> No doubt about that. And we can live it vicariously when we exactly. see the first couple of episodes that are going to premiere on, on Prime Video for Outer Range. It's going to be on April the 15th. Lily, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. Okay. Switching gears a little bit, how about one of the Abbott children? I say children, they're grown men. Lewis Pullman playing 
one of those who is Red Abbott, who is a very, very interesting part. You saw that in the first couple of episodes in this story. But I also get to talk to Isabel Arizo, who plays Maria Oliveris. And yeah, you'll find out more about their relationship coming up in these next couple of episodes, too. And also Tamara Podemski, who plays Deputy Sheriff Joy, who certainly has a lot on her plate. Let's find out everything that they've got going on on Out of Range this season. Hi, James. Great name, James. Tamara, Isabel, Lewis, how are you all doing? Good. Thank Good you. Okay, Isabel and Lewis, I want to start with you because the chemistry between Maria and Rhett is obvious, even in those early episodes. How much can you guys tell us about their history and how close they are really? Maria and Rhett know each other from way back then, you know, and they went to high school together. And Maria left her hometown for a little bit and because of, you know, life and circumstances outside her her control, she has to move back to town. And so kind of reconnects with Brett that way. Yeah, and I think the spark is immediate because I think maybe secretly they always wanted to be together. Yeah, well said. I think that um, it's, you know, one of those relationships that you, that never happened, it never was, but it was, but, but it was almost. And I think you spending so much time apart, they, you can tend to, one can tend to fantasize what could be. And it's one of those beautiful surprises that when they do reunite all those things that they, that they had spent all this time, you know, wondering what would, what would my life look like if we had ended up together were you know or seem to be true and all of that 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 ease of them seeing each other again is right there and it's almost as if they never left each other's side beautiful surprise i love that that's such a good way to put it very well done so tamara for you joy's got a lot working against her and she's got a lot of pressure on her early on in, in the show but she doesn't seem to let it get to her do you feel like that's more like determination on her part survival or is that just who she is I think she's got tough skin. I think, you know, she grew up in a, you know, she grew up on the rise. She went to police academy. I mean, there's there's just certain life decisions that she met that she took that just kept on making probably an already tough young woman even tougher. But she's I I like I like to remember that she was thrown into it earlier than she might have chosen to be in that position because we see her as a a deputy sheriff who is acting sheriff because her boss died that makes it even more interesting to me because you know she's she's even more unsure in her footing and yet her personality needs to kind of make make her more confident than she might actually be no doubt about that lewis i want to ask you about the abbott family really quickly especially the relationship with perry talk about Rhett's relationship with his brother, how much do they really need each other, you think? Well, I think, you know, I don't know about you guys, but with my my brother, we kind of, we passed the hot potato between who's the who's each other's brother's keeper. You know what I mean? It's never been with, with my brother in real life. It's never been just one or the other. We always kind of alternate. And I think it's that that way and a little bit where I think right now, when you first meet Perry and Rhett, we're stuck in this long period where it feels like maybe Rhett's had to kind of pick up some slack for Perry. And it's it's taken maybe more time than than he'd like. And he misses, you know, his old brother is is, Perry's in a bit of a fugue state, you know, and I I think uh, Rhett has been patient and has uh, but is finding himself a little bit like just wanting to return to some sense of normalcy and wanting to have his brother back, you know? 
No doubt about that. And you all have such amazing stories. And we'll get to see those start to play out when Out of Range premieres on Prime Video for the first two episodes on April the 15th. Tamara, Isabel, Lewis, thank you guys so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks. I don't know why it sounded so weird when I said I appreciate it just then. Did you pick up on that? It's just, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, you open your mouth and you never know how things are going to come out. But this show, I got to tell you, I am so still locked in to the show. I was so fascinated by these first couple of episodes of Outer Range. And it's so mysterious and so deep. And it kind of is one of those edge your seat type things. And I kind of, sometimes I hate that expression, but it really is where you don't know exactly what's going to happen next and what the next turn is going to be. But then you've also got all these interpersonal storylines to keep you entertained as well. So there's so much, there's sci-fi, there's family drama, there's just drama in general. There's a mystery involved. There's so many different things to pull from for the show. And that's one of the reasons I love Outer Range so much. You can watch the first now four episodes, I believe, of Outer Range on Prime Video. So really easy to get caught up. Another couple of episodes coming next week as well. And this is one that I feel I can turn on a dime at any second. And and you never know where things are going to go. Again, thanks to the cast of Outer Range for joining me once again to talk about the show this week and go back to episode 414 of the show to hear more of my interviews from Outer Range 2. Up next, going to get to some reviews. How about we talk about we go to the West again, kind of, talking about the Billy the Kid series from Epics. My spoiler-free review of the first episode is next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Wander with us into a world of magic. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with and reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. We'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. This is Malcolm Barrett from Timeless, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. 
You might know him as an outlaw, but you might find out that he is much more than that. The brand new epic series, Billy the Kid, based on the the historical figure that I'm sure that you learned about at some point, the famous gunslinger, will be premiering on this Sunday, actually, April the 24th on Epics. I want to give you my spoiler-free review of this first episode. And here's what I want you to understand going into this. I want you to really get this before you go into this show. Is that if you're expecting this to be a show about this wild and crazy gunslinger and how he's, you know, all of these things that he's got going on and, you know, being this loose cannon and things like that, and just shooting people left and right. If that's what you're expecting this show to be, then you need to alter your expectations. And I'm going to tell you why. Because this really dives into not just Billy the Kid's story, but William H. Bonnie's story. And the story of this family that he was a part of. And you might go, ah, oh, really? No, don't, don't think that way. Because this his story is much more interesting than you might have learned in in school or wherever you learned about Billy the Kid or from uh, from other th- times in popular culture. This is a man who is much more interesting, much more grounded than you think. And to find out maybe how he became the man he did is part of this journey. There's a reason that this first episode is called The Immigrants because you might not know that William Bonney's family were Irish immigrants that were living in New York, as many Irish immigrants did. And they tried to set off to find a better life elsewhere, starting off in Kansas. That's not a spoiler because it's in the trailer. So I don't you don't need to worry about that. Now, you find out that this family has been through a ton. Billy, Billy went through a lot. And I mean a lot as a child, even in his younger adult years went through a lot of painful loss. You see in the trailer that he loses his father. If you know the the history of this character already, you probably already kind of know what you might expect from certain bits of this story if you're a history buff. But if you're not, I think you're going to be very, very surprised to learn certain things about Billy the Kid and how his family life was and how things sort of shaped throughout his lifetime and you know, his relationship with his mother and his brother and, you know, what his mom went through. And I got to tell you, Kathleen McCarty is an extremely interesting character in the show as well, played by Eileen O'Higgins. Because I got to tell you, this woman and what she had to endure and what she went through and how she was able to keep things, you know, somewhat together for her kids. Man, let me tell you, this was just such a such an interesting way to start off. This series, I think you're going to have a huge amount of respect for this woman. And obviously, she she makes some decisions that, that might make you go, ah, really? But, you know, what parent hasn't done that? I've done that as a parent, certainly. And you wished you'd kind of done things differently. Or does she? That's the other thing about this is that maybe she is doing what's best, even if what's best doesn't seem like it on the surface or early on. But again, we're only talking about the first episode here. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to cheat ahead for you or anything. Now, do we still get to see Billy, the kid, Billy as a younger adult becoming more like Billy, the kid? Sure. You get to see that in this first episode. I'm not going to, that's something that I, I don't think again is, is a big spoiler or anything, 
But how he carries himself, I think you'll find very interesting. Because remember, you're talking about a young William Bonney and Billy the Kid, even as an adult, still younger. Okay, I know he didn't live very long, but this is the very early stages of that. And Jonah Collier, who plays young Billy, is is watch out for this kid, man, because he was so impressive in this first episode. And I think you're going to be very, very surprised and pleased at what you see from this kid who plays Billy the kid as a kid. So and you'll I think you'll be very surprised at how important that actually is to this story and eventually where things go. So I think that you, while you might be disappointed to find out that this isn't like this huge action adventure style story, I would actually be more relieved about that. And I was when I watched it for the first time. I was like, I, I you know, you see the trailer and you're like, okay, I think I know what this is, what, how this is going to go out and go. And I'm not expecting anything huge action wise. And, and that's not really what I got. But what I got was a much deeper family story than I expected, but not in a disappointing way, in a very, very intriguing and interesting way. And, and you're not just seeing how things went for William Bonney. You're also seeing how things went in society and how society treated not just Irish immigrants, but, you know, women of the time. You get to see that as a part of it as well. What kids had to endure in that time period in America, in these certain frontier towns as well. So, yeah, there's a lot more to this than just the story of an outlaw or a story of a boy who became an outlaw. And was he an outlaw is a question that you might actually ask yourself even early on in this series, in this first episode, because I, I walked away saying, man, this kid's gone through a lot. And that was after one episode of this series. And there's much more to it to come after that. So if you don't have epics, it might be one of those things where you might want to give it a shot just to watch Billy the Kid. That's how much I really enjoyed this series. Of course, premiering Sunday, April the 24th on Epics. You can also watch on the Epics app as well. And just that little bit, there's there's more. You Jesse Evans doesn't come into the show right away. And you know how much of an influence he had on Billy, if you know your history. So he doesn't come in in this first episode. You'll see him a little bit later on, as long as well as a couple of the other characters. But I think that you're going to be very, very happy that you're going to learn maybe a different side of a figure from history that you thought you knew. That's going to do it for my spoiler-free review of the first episode of the Billy the Kid series from Epics. Up next, we'll switch over to Netflix and talk about Season 2 of Russian Doll. We'll go spoiler-free for that as well on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Robin Lord Taylor from Gotham, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. What's worse than a death loop? Well, maybe a time travel aspect, because that's what we're getting in Season 2 of Russian Doll from Netflix. And this is a show that I was admittedly late to, and I don't know why, but I caught up on Season 1. And, you know, it's hard not to fall in love with Natasha Leone's character of Nadia, especially as somebody who spent a lot of time living in in the Northeast. I know that New York is not the same as Northeast. I get it. Okay, I didn't live in New York, but still, that 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 character is someone that I've definitely 
definitely grown to know in, in, in my lifetime. You, you meet people like Nadia. So maybe this hits me a little bit differently. But this is set actually four years after Nadia and Alan, who's played by Charlie Bar- Barnett, by the way. That, that, that This is four years after the events of season one where they escape the time loop. Now, what we're going to have here in this second season is a little bit more of a sci-fi aspect, actually, because we find out that there's a time travel portal located in a Manhattan subway. Not a spoiler. In the description of the series and something that you find out in the trailer. So don't get mad at me for revealing that. Now, here's the deal. What you're going to find out is a lot more about their past, especially Nadia's past. And there's, you know, when when they give you these shows to review and you get to watch them early, they give you this list of stuff that you can't talk about because, you, you know, you don't want to spoil it for anybody. And let's face it, this thing dropped in the middle of the week this past week. So maybe you're just now getting to it. I'm not going to be the guy that spoils it for you. That's why I'm doing this spoiler-free. But the challenge in that is that there's a lot of stuff that I can't talk about regarding Nadia and regarding some of the other characters as well. Let's just say that if you are a big fan of certain characters in season one, you're in for a couple of surprises, not just with Nadia in season two. One of which, one specific character who is a fan favorite, who, gosh, I wish I could say, but certainly connected to Nadia, is you'll see them differently this season, and it's really, really fun. And uh, there, there's a lot of good emotional beats with this character as well. But there's a really interesting story early on in this in this season, and, and one that I, I you never would have really expected to see and it's kind of it's kind of funky and kind of trippy at the same time but Nadia learns a lot about her past going through this and then you find out what's going on with Alan as well and you throw that into the mix because early on you're trying to figure out what's going on with Alan in season two and then once that starts to sort of reveal itself that's when the story really really picks up in season two. So I will tell you that the first part of season two is definitely Nadia heavy, the first few episodes, and for a good reason. But then you sort of start to get Alan's story after that. When I say time travel, there's some very interesting places that they go and that they end up. And there's and and then, you know, just like a lot of time travel stories, once you get there, there's reasons for them being where they are at these specific times but finding out more about their past, I think is a really key part of this and how that affects the dynamic of both of their characters, I think is, is, is super interesting, but there's also, you know, it expands the world a bit too, which is fun because I think that that's something that this show needed a little bit and you didn't know you needed it until you got it sort of thing. But Natasha Leone just owns this show. She really, really does because every moment she's on the screen, you're locked in. You're probably not looking through your looking at your phone and scrolling through. When she's on that screen, when you see Nadia, you're locked in just because of her personality and her vibrancy, the way she carries herself, and what ultimately ends up happening to her and how she rolls with it. I think is super impressive. I think that you know, I wish I could roll with stuff in my life the way that Nadia rolls with the crazy stuff 
that happens to her, not just in the first season, but in the second season as well. So if you were a fan of season one, I think you're going to be surprised at the directions that season two takes you and how fresh it actually feels based on what happened in the first season. That's not to say it's totally different because it's not totally different. If you, you, you still get the same character vibes. You still get the character, the, the carryover from season one, from some of the stories anyway, or at least some of the events that happen. But remember, this is four years later, too, so you have to keep that in mind. But yeah, if you loved season one, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised at the journey that season two takes you on. So season two of Russian Doll is now streaming on Netflix. And this is something that would be easy to catch up on if you haven't watched the show yet at all. You could easily binge through season one and get to see at least get to season two in a whole weekend. So I definitely recommend you do that. It's going to do it for my spoiler-free review of Season 2 of Russian Doll. Up next, how about we tackle some nerd news, some interesting stuff, and a trailer that we've been waiting for. Talk about Thor Love and Thunder next. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Victoria Atkin, the voice of Evie Fry, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Let the Guns N' Roses renaissance begin. It's time for nerd news, and you know I'm talking about the Thor Love and Thunder trailer that finally dropped. I actually thought we might not get one. I know I said that with Spider-Man No Way Home not too long ago. Oh, it seems like forever ago, actually. But we did finally get the teaser trailer for Thor Love and Thunder. And it's basically a Thor that's retired and trying to find himself. I know it seems like he's been trying to find himself every movie so far, except for maybe, you know, the, the, the second one. But this time he really just wants to be have a peaceful life. And then here comes Gore, the God Butcher, who's played by Christian Bale. And he wants the extinction of the gods. So, you know, he can't just sit there and do nothing. But we get to see, you know, peaceful, trying to be retired Thor. We get to see Ravager Thor with the Guardians of the Galaxy. We also get to see the axe-wielding Thor that we know and love. And then we see, let's talk about Jane Foster for a second. Let's just talk about that now and not save it for the end of this discussion. That first look at Natalie Portman as Mighty Thor, I have to say, was very impressive. And, and saving that as like the mic drop moment for the very end of the trailer was a stroke of brilliance. But I, you know, I'm not surprised at all by Taika Waititi's brilliance there. And that's just something that he does. This looks like, again, another very fun Thor movie that's on tap and and there's going to be some serious elements in there too obviously because there has been for the others as well but ever since Taika Waititi took over the, the the Thor movies it seems like the fun has been cranked up a little and you know you add of course the Guardians of the Galaxies to the mix with everything the last time we saw that group together we saw that Thor was going to run run with them a bit but seeing Natalie Portman's Mighty Thor really sets the stage for something that's going to be a really, really intriguing story and how they play this out in the MCU. If you're familiar with how they did it in the comics, they, they apparently they are going to follow the cancer storyline a bit in the movie, but you know that the MCU tends to take liberties with how they tell their stories in the movies as opposed to the comics. So seeing how this is going to play out in, the, in, in movie form and story-wise in the MCU, I think is going to be intriguing. And you have to wonder if this is going to set up some sort of a future for Natalie Portman's character. But they clearly 
want to make this character a big shining moment in this movie for sure. But I think you still you also have to explore, you know, what's next for Thor? What's next for Chris Hemsworth's character? And is is this it? It feels like it's it, but is it it? I don't know that we really know the answer to that for sure. But I really love that moment when you see Star-Lord, who's played by Chris Pratt, of course, and he says, you know, look into the eyes of people that you love when you, you, you're feeling lost. And he you could see him, like, dreamily staring into Star-Lord's eyes. I thought that that was a really, really funny moment. I know there's a lot of chatter on social media about that, but and you got to kind of wait to see how that plays out. But we also get to see a very bored King Valkyrie, who's played by Tessa Thompson. We, of course, get Korg back in this movie as well. And, and I really think that... You, you always see Thor get dragged back in by another threat, and Gore the God Butcher is certainly going to be a, a significant one for sure. And, you know, when you bring Christian Bale in, you, you bring him in for a good reason. I think he's really going to nail this role. We really don't get to see, uh, you know, much of anything about his character. We get to see more from the toy reveals of the Marvel, Marvel Legends figures than we do from the trailer as far as how that character is going to look. But, I mean, you, you've got epic battles when you're talking about Thor, and, and the man's tired. Let's just face it, Thor's been through a lot, a lot. Not that the other Avengers haven't, but Thor certainly has been through a lot. So, you know, he, he kind of deserves to, to live, in reti- live a retired life. Although, I don't know, is he going to choose to do that or not? I just think this movie's going to be really fun. I do think that this will be a transitional point. Of some kind, anyway, maybe not as significant a one as we think it is, but but there's still plenty to look forward to. July eighth, as we're going to be seeing Thor: Love and Thunder in theaters from Marvel Studios. That's not it for Marvel though this week, because we also have Squirrel Girl, who is going to be a part of a new Marvel podcast uh, with part Mar- Marvel's t- teaming up with Sirius XM for Squirrel Girl: The Unbeatable. Radio show. They actually already have the first episode up there now. And Milana Vontrub is going to be once again voicing the role of Squirrel Girl. And yes, you remember she did the, the, the voice of the character in the Marvel Rising animated stuff. She was also supposed to play the character in live action in that new Warrior show that still, you know, just never ended up happening. But we're also going to have some other characters. Koi Boy is going to be a part of this. There's the, the really fun characters like Chipmunk Hunk and stuff like that are also going to be a part of this show. And it's going to almost feel like a like a Space Ghost Coast to Coast type of thing, I think. Because you've got this student radio show that Squirrel Girl has put together. And then, you know, you've got her best friend, Nancy Whitehead, who's going to be the producer. And then you've got, you know, also you're going to have Iron Man, Spider-Man going to be making certain appearances in this as well. But, you know, when it's when there's call-ins, you never know what you're going to get, right? So th- this just seems like it's going to be another one of those really fun shows and it helps capture the fun aspect of the Squirrel Girl character. But then, of course, there's, you know, a suspicious caller that's going to be wreaking havoc on New York City. And, of course, you know, the unbeatable Squirrel Girl isn't going to stand for that at all. So this this might have... Uh, I say the Space Ghost Coast to Coast vibe. Maybe that's the vibe that you're kind of going for, but not quite as adult. But this is something that Marvel's been doing 
with these podcast series that they've had recently, but they've been more on the serious side up until now. So I think this is a good chance for Marvel to have fun with this. You know, so you go from a fun, we talk about a fun movie like Thor Love and Thunder and we can transition into Squirrel Girl here. So I, I, I haven't had a chance to listen to the first episode yet. I'm going to be kind of binging it this weekend to see what I think of it. Let me know what you think of it. At Down and Nerdy 757. Tweet me because I'm really curious to see how you feel about the very beginning of Marvel Squirrel Girl, the unbeatable radio show podcast that Marvel has going right now. There's a little bit of drama, apparently, at Netflix Animation, according to The Wrap. I wanted to talk about this really quick because the first thing I saw earlier this week was the adaptation of the Bone comic series was now going to be... Not it was now not going to be happening. Jeff Smith's series that just seemed like that was one of the ones that fans were really, really looking forward to. And I know it's been delayed like a thousand times, it seems like. And now they've finally decided to just can the idea altogether. But apparently there's some other animation projects that are going to be going by the wayside as well. And you start to wonder, right? Like, okay. What's the real thing going on? Well, now the drama is starting up about you know there's been executives that were fired from the Netflix Kids and Family Animation Department, and that that's Phil Ronda who is who is a part of the, the official title is Netflix's Director of Creative Leadership and Development for Original Animation. That is who was was officially let go, and then you start to see pride, you know shows get started getting the acts and things like that and you know all about the stock plummeting because it's been all over the news and cracking down on password sharing and things like that blah 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 okay here's the real deal netflix has a lot of animation projects a lot some of which are very good some of which to me not so much but but again it's all subjective when you talk about animation right so it's just interesting to me that and there's accusations of you know staged data saying you know well you can make the numbers say whatever you want to justify your decisions and that's just true of business this is not just about streaming you can make numbers look like whatever you want if you've just decided that you want to do something and i'm not saying that that's what netflix is doing that's the accusations being made by somebody else not me I haven't seen the data myself. I'm not in it like these creators are and the people at Netflix are. So I can't really say for sure what I think. But I could tell you this is that Netflix has certainly been accused, and I think rightfully so, of overdoing it over the years. Where you're just churning things out to churn things out and just to have more content. And maybe sometimes the quality can suffer a little bit. And that is certainly the case for some of the animation stuff. As far as I'm concerned, you see plenty of animation projects at Netflix only get one season because it's like, eh, like Pacific uh, Pacific Rim, The Black, which had a second season. And that's more anime. I get that. But I was actually surprised I got a second season, first of all. Second of all, I thought that the second season wasn't quite as good as the first season. And, and you know, that's just one of those things that that, that seems to be happening. For Netflix animation, I mean, they've had hits, obviously, like Castlevania is the first one that comes to mind, and that one certainly ran the longest. And then you've got stuff like Boss Baby, which has been very, very, very good and very, very popular. But it's like you've got tunnel vision on like, okay, here's the kind of things 
that we want, and then you stick to that. But what happened to the momentum that was built up by Shira, the Princesses of Power, and you've got Voltron as well that was in the mix there. And But those are DreamWorks projects. That's the other thing. This is not something that's coming original from Netflix. They, you know, Some of the best stuff that they've had has been from DreamWorks. So how do you kind of, and Boss Baby's one of those things. So how do you kind of respond to that? And it's, again, it's almost like they're not exactly sure what they want to be animation-wise. And animation seems like one of those quick and easy things that you can just do. And the budget doesn't seem like it's going to be as high. But you also see that a lot of these animation projects, you don't even know they're happening. You don't even know they're being released until like a few weeks before they're actually being released. You know, there's no buildup like there are for some other things, like 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 some movies and some live action series. There's no buildup. There's not a you know a big list of trailers that you get beforehand. It's just like okay, here's what's coming up in a couple weeks. And you and you know, marketing wise, there's a there's a reason to be upset about that. I've made a, sci-fi is a network that is a perfect example of that. Where they'll just spring something on you and say, yeah, it'll be available in a couple weeks. And I get that we're, you know, a low attention span society now. And maybe you think that's the right thing to do. Maybe people are going to forget. But you make a big deal out of something a couple of months or three months before it comes out. You make that big splash. And then, you know, every now and then you'll put out a trailer or a teaser or something like that. Then you make the big push in a couple weeks after that, right? And that's not what's happening at all. With animation, we see that with the live action stuff and also with the movies. You do not see that with animation. So I think if they're guilty of anything, anything, it's two things. Having too much and not properly preparing your audiences for stuff that's coming. Because there, there's certainly other streaming services that don't have that problem with their animation projects. So I, I think that some of this drama is probably justified. The truth lies somewhere in the middle, I'm sure. And I, I just hope that this isn't like a huge bloodletting of Netflix animation because I think that would be a real shame. And, like, and hey, you cannot forget that during the pandemic, animation was something that was something that helped these streaming services and networks survive because that was something that could be done a little bit easier remotely than live action stuff so let's not forget that too and maybe that costs a little bit of extra dollars and what's wrong with that nothing wrong with the fact that we're going to be getting a dungeons and dragons movie from paramount and you know teaming up with hasbro to adapt the popular game into a movie now we know that it's going to be called dungeons and dragons honor among thieves now what else do we know nothing not really nothing they didn't release a synopsis or anything but the cast is really impressive. You've got Chris Pine. You've got Michelle Rodriguez. You've got Roger Jean Page, of course, from Bridgerton fame. Justice Smith, Sophia Lillis, and the list goes on and on. Even Hugh Grant going to be a part of this as well. I'm sure they'll announce more cast between now and then. And, of course, Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly going to be doing the directing here. Now, is this going to feel like, you know, sitting Friday night, Saturday night with your buddies and your your favorite dungeon master, you're rolling the dice and and you know seeing where your quest takes you. I don't know. You know that that's the thing that I think is going to be the danger of this Dungeons and Dragons movie is that if you're a D and D fan and you're a D and D player, you've got this idea of what you want this to be like, regardless. And you know you want it to be like a favorite campaign, 
that you've had in your time playing. Who knows what this is going to look like? Is this going to be more more of a serious thing? Is this going to be more of a humorous tilt? I don't really know what to expect from this. And I think that I say all the time, you know, you got to wait for a trailer. I think this first trailer is going to be the exact indicator of how this thing's going to go. You see Chris Pine, and you're like, well, yeah, he's he's certainly funny at times. I think that this could be more of a comedic bent. But then you see, you know, Michelle Rodriguez, and you go, well, she's not necessarily known for comedy. It's not like she can't do it. But it's just very interesting to me that you can't really peg this. And the fact that we haven't gotten a synopsis yet, we just have a name for this thing is also very, very telling. So I think that even they're trying to figure out exactly where they want to go with this. And there's nothing wrong with that at this stage, by the way. It's not coming out until March 3rd of 2023 anyway. So it's going to be a while. So I just hope this is one of those ones that doesn't get lost in the shuffle because I feel like we've been talking about a Dungeons & Dragons movie for a while now, and it hasn't actually happened. So hopefully this is something that ends up moving forward and doesn't just end up going by the wayside because of like a creative differences type of situation. A Wonder Twins movie is going to be happening at HBO Max. This is something that actually broke late last week, but I'd already published last week's show. I didn't get a chance to talk about it, and I want to talk about it right now because Deadline reports that we do have Zan and Jaina that are cast. KJ Appa from Riverdale is going to be playing Jan, and then Isabel May of the 1883 Yellowstone spinoff is going to be playing Jaina. Now, what's interesting is is that KJ Appa, there were a lot of rumors about him playing Nightwing in some capacity. And now clearly that's not going to be happening. But playing, you know, Zan the Wonder Twins isn't the worst thing in the world. And people act like this is like, oh, it's a huge step down. Like he had the role already of Nightwing and didn't get it. We have no idea what's going on with the Nightwing character right now. Are the Batgirl rumors true? Who knows? And now I think that those have kind of been shot down by Leslie Grace. But, you know, what's Leslie Grace supposed to say? Yeah, Nightwing's going to be in my movie. And then, you know, they, they you know, she gets, you know, scolded by Warner Brothers for revealing that kind of stuff. Actors and actresses, they know when to keep their mouth shut about certain things. So maybe it's true, maybe it's not. So I think saying that it's a huge step down for KJ Apa is ridiculous. Plus, I think maybe it suits him better. Have you thought about that for a second? I'm not saying he wouldn't be a good Nightwing and he wouldn't be a good Dick Grayson, but maybe this is a role that actually suits him a little bit better. And seeing how he and Isabel May kind of play off of each other, I think will be really, really interesting. And again, this is another one of those things where you've got the Black Adam co-writer, Adam, and there's no way I'm going to pronounce Adam's last name right, Stitzkyle. I think that that's what I'm going to go with is going to be attached to write this thing as well. So again, what are you going to get? Is this going to be more of a serious look at the Wonder Twins? Is, are we going to be having some fun here? Where is this thing going to go? We haven't seen them in live action since Smallville, and I don't think it's going to be anything like that. You know, is Gleek going to be a part of this? Are we going to have Grax? Probably, right? You would think so. And it's... It's just going to be very, very interesting to see where this thing goes. But you know, I'm, 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 I'm not going to say, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I'm so excited for the Wonder Twins. I'm intrigued for for the idea of a Wonder Twins movie. I like that it's an HBO Max movie to see how the characters kind of play out and see how popular this really is. But 
again, this just seems like one of those things that's perfect for HBO Max. And I love the fact that we're getting these characters in live action in any capacity because you never know when you're going to love something that you don't expect to love. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to my amazing guests for coming on to the show this week. You can always subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. Got some news about the podcast coming up too, so make sure you're keeping your eyes on social media at Down and Nerdy 757 on Twitter, on Instagram, and at Down and Nerdy on Facebook. You can also find more info at downandnerdypodcast.com, and there's a reason I'm telling you that you're going to want to keep your eyes open for some big news. But for now, remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement, as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminists wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye.